If God is able, we are able. Welcome to the One Cause Church podcast with Pastor Eric Holler. of all of our young ministers here in the church and, and our old ones too. But uh, part, of our, uh, part of our mission as a church is to raise up leaders, is to raise up ministers and to send them out and to set, see that they are placed in, in ministry and to see them fulfill God's call for their life. And so we make room for that and for people to come and develop their skills and, and to learn the the. the ways of ministry here, and so there's lots of ways to serve in this church, and I'm just excited to be able to have a church where we have so many able people, so many able servants and ministers here, and I'm continually amazed at the incredible giftings and talents that are represented here, and not only that, but the people who are willing to use them. It's one thing to be gifted, it's another thing to use that gift, amen. So I I just really appreciate that, and and more and more, we're going to be giving uh, opportunities. As we grow, there's going to be more opportunities for people to be used of God. Amen. So Amen. part of it is in this house and training and learning, but, uh, and part of it is in sending out. And uh, our, uh, he doesn't really like to be referred to this, but it's just the fact of his office. Dr. Holler really is the apostle of this ministry, and he's the one who who is a sender, who is a church builder, who is a church planter, and he is a placement man who puts people in, sets pastors in place, and uh, that's just the way he's flowed for many, many years. And so um, I'm honored to, well, be a son for one thing, but also to have him as the papa of this house and, uh, and the apostle of this place and to, to help men and women find their place in ministry. Amen. Now, we finished Galatians. What a great time we had in that book. What an extraordinary book that is. I always hate leaving a book like that because I want to make sure that, I, that we really got everything out of it that we could, but it's really not possible to do that in just a few weeks series. And we'll come back and revisit those things over time. But tonight, we're going to jump into Ephesians. Galatians, my plan is to go to Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Is it okay if we do that? Yeah. Well, it better be because that's what we're going to do. So, I mean, if it's not okay, make it okay, because that's how we're going to roll. All right, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. I like this. Paul speaks to the Ephesian church a lot different than he does the Galatian church. The Galatians, remember, he had to, he had to take his, his, his stance in his apostleship. He had to let them know that I am an apostle not from men but from God. But here, the Ephesians, it seems like they've already kind of got that figured out. They've accepted his authority into their lives. And so he simply says, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That verse right there, we will see it over and over and over again throughout the letters of Paul to the churches. He always begins with grace and peace be multiplied to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace and peace. Grace and peace. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. How comforting is that? How wonderful is that? I wish more preachers would preach 
grace and peace be multiplied to you. I wish more churches were filled with this theme right here. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. Now, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed. Everybody say, has blessed. He has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Where? In the heavenly places. Where? In Christ. He's blessed us with, this is a mouthful right here, but it is a powerful mouthful. It blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, it does not mean that that is where it ends when we get to heaven and that's where we're going to realize those blessings. That's where they flow from. That's really where they start. That's really because, because that's where you are. Now, we're going to look at that a little later on in Ephesians 2. It says that we are seated in the heavenly places with Christ. So that is a reality in the Spirit already because you're there. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing. So you have this position, praise God, with Christ in heaven right now in the Spirit by His power, by His grace. And now that because you are blessed with every spiritual blessing, and let me say this, it has to start with the spiritual blessing before it can be a physical blessing, before it can be an emotional blessing, before it can be a mental blessing. It has to start in the Spirit. Everything starts in the Spirit. Everything starts with God and out of Him. Everything that we know, everything that we see, everything that is from Him. And because we're blessed with every spiritual blessing, ladies and gentlemen, that fixes all the other blessings. <laughs> Those things are, they flow out of the spiritual blessing. The, the physical manifestation flows out of the, the, the spiritual reality. Hmm. Everything that we know came from, everything that is visible came from what is invisible. Matter of fact, I like the way Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 and 17 says. It says, For by him, that is by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or power, powers. All things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Hallelujah. It is all about Jesus, and it will always be all about Jesus. Without him, nothing was made that was made. Everything was made through him and for him and by him. Hallelujah. And so so the fact that you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is because it's in Christ. It's all found in him. It's all rooted in him. It all starts with him. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he purposed in himself that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him 
In him also, you can sum up Ephesians in two words, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Tonight, we're going to look at a few things. Here in these first 14 verses, we see the blessings of the Father, we see the blessings of the Son, and the blessings of the Holy Spirit. And they all flow out of those spiritual blessings. They're all present, and all of them have something special to give us. All right? Now, I want to back up to verse 4 for just a moment, and let's dig into these blessings of the Father. If you do uh, have your Version app, you can go there, search One Cause Church, and be happy to join in with some of the notes tonight. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. The first blessing of the Father that we see here is that he chose us. He chose us. We are not chosen, according to this scripture, to be holy and blameless before him by law, but in love. Hmm. You cannot be holy and blameless before God through anything but love. Because only love can cover a multitude of sins. Only love casts out all fear. The law is the power or the strength to sin is what the Bible teaches us. Not the power over sin, but the power to sin. The law breeds a fearful relationship with God. If you do this, good. If you don't do this, not good. If you do this, blessed. If you don't do this, cursed. Right? It breeds a fearful relationship with God. Not security in your relationship with God. In this is love. Not that we love God, but that he first loved us. Hallelujah. And God chose us in him. That is, God chose us in Love, hallelujah, that we can be holy and blameless in a place called love. That means that you can't perform it. You can't make it happen. He is love, hallelujah. It comes by this reality, this place called the love of God is where you can know that you are holy and blameless, that God sees you through those loving eyes, hallelujah. When you're in him, you're in love, and everything else, all the wrong stuff is over. All the bad stuff is gone. All the bad memories, they're, they're not even, they don't even exist. God doesn't see you except holy. Blameless, right with God. But you have to receive that love. You have to be willing to say, ah, okay. Okay, my holiness and my blamelessness is not contingent upon what I do. It is contingent upon who loves me. Glory to God. He chose 
us. Say that. He chose us. He chose us. Hallelujah. Now, let's, go, let's continue in verse 5. Verse 5 says, Having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according <coughs> excuse me, to the good pleasure of his will. Having predestined us to adoption. The next blessing of the Father we see is that he predestined us. Now, there's a lot of controversy over this beautiful little word called predestination. Right? That all things are already fixed and in place from start to finish. God has it all done. He's already predestined who's going to be saved. He's already predestined who's not going to be saved. And when the earth started spinning, it started happening. It all, God's plan began to unfold. And so no matter what you do, God is sovereign. And his will will be done. His will is ironclad. Right? So we hear. It cannot be changed. There are a lot of problems with that. A lot of problems with that. Because what, just one thing, I'm not going to get into this whole thing tonight. But one thing is, did he really give you the power to choose then? Did he really give us free will if he's going to do whatever he wants to anyway? Is our power of choice really what he says it is? See, God chose you. You also have to choose him. He chose all of us. He chose the whole world. He chose to leave none undone, as a matter of fact. And we have everything to do with receiving what he has for us. The mo- you become, listen to me, you, co- you become predestined the moment you get in Christ. The moment you, are, you receive his grace into your life, that is when you become predestined in him. Hmm. Predestination is only found in Christ. It's not about who's going to be saved or who's not going to be saved. It's who's in Jesus. It's only known in Him. And God, the Word of God teaches us, it is God's will that none would perish. But ladies and gentlemen, there are people perishing. So His will is not totally 100% being done. Because men have a choice given by him, this gift of a free will. And they choose. If it was already predestined, then the Bible would have to tell us in the Scripture that, the de- that, that hell itself was prepared for the devil and his angels and those predestined to go there. But it does not say that. It says that the hell is prepared for the devil and his angels. Period. It was never prepared for man. It was created for the dark side. It was created for the devil. And that's what it says clearly. But men will go there 
because they choose to go there. Because they refuse his acceptance. They refuse that the fact that he chose them. And so they, they send themselves to a godless hell where men were never, never, ever, ever created to go. There's also a reference in the scripture that talks about the hell expanding. Expanding. Why is it expanding? Because people go there that don't belong there. They're having to do reconstruction all the time, tearing down walls, making room for people who were never supposed to be there. See, heaven's a big enough place to get everybody there. Hallelujah. I love this. I love this about the grace of God, that he prepared all of it for us. He prepared a glorious a glorious place called heaven for all mankind. But men, by their choice, will either be there or to a place they don't belong. Now, <clears throat> I want to just, for just a moment, talk about the grace of God. T- turn over to 1 Peter chapter 3 for a moment. Verse 18. I want to just peek into a scripture tonight that is a fascinating piece of scripture I've been chewing on and looking at. And it says, verse 18, for Christ also suffered once for sins. How many times did he suffer? How many times is it necessary for him to do that? Once for all. Once for sins, the just for the unjust. That he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive by the Spirit by whom also he went and preached to the spirits in prison. Now, I'm going to stop for just a moment. He went and preached to the spirits in prison. Now, I used to think that that was, I always had the Carmen song in my head. Lazarus, remember? When he went down there and he saw all the, all the, all the heroes of, of old, you know, Abraham and Samson and David and all those guys, right? They're all there in this holding place known as paradise or Abraham's bosom, they were in hell, but not in the tormenting side of hell, as Jesus gave a parable about a beggar named Lazarus, remember, and the rich man who was in the flames, but Lazarus was in Abraham's bosom. And so they were in this holding place. They couldn't be in heaven because men, men were separate from God. So when Jesus came and shed his blood and he came down there to preach, he did, he did bring them out of that place. He did bring Abraham and Moses and David and all those guys out of that place, and he took them up to heaven with him. But but here in this verse of Scripture, it's amazing to me that I always thought it was about that this was talking about them until I read the next verse. He went and preached to the spirits in prison, verse 20, who formerly were disobedient when once the divine long-suffering waited in the days of Noah. So these are people that perished in the flood, yeah. right? While the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight souls were saved through water. Okay, <laughs> wait a second. Jesus went and preached to disobedient people in hell? That's what it looks like it says. That's what it looks like it says. He went and preached to the disobedient spirits who had perished in the flood. Why is he preaching to them? Why is Jesus even wasting his time preaching to disobedient spirits? Right? I mean, what kind of sermon is he preaching? I told you so. Should have got on the ark. Too late for you. You're going to burn in hell forever now. 
Well, thank you for that message. Thank you for that sermon. We already kind of knew that, though. All right? Was he preaching hellfire and brimstone? <laughs> Doubt it. What is Jesus preaching to these guys? Why is he preaching to them? Because there must have been hope. Mm-mm-mm. Hope. Hope for them. It's over, right? But Jesus went down there and preached to them. And if he preached to them, then that means that he brought a message of hope, that there was a way out. And if he did that, now I'm just going to be honest with you. If I'm in that crowd of people who have been there for I don't know how long now, and Jesus comes and preaches a message to me, I think I'm going to respond to that altar call. I believe I'm going to say, yeah, I'll take that. Mm -hmm. I'm going to believe your message right now. So it's very possible, all I'm saying, it's very possible at that time that Jesus completely emptied hell. Wow. Now, what about this eternal destruction? What about those who will be there forever and ever and ever? These people had never heard the gospel. They had never, they had never, 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 never known that there would be hope, ever. They had never heard of the, they might have heard, I don't know. Becoming Messiah one day. But see, Jesus shed his blood. He died on that cross and he came down there. And he, to be just, had to give these guys a chance to hear it. That ain't going to happen all the time. But it happened there. That's how badly God wants people in heaven. That's all I'm saying. See, he wants us there way more than we want to be there. He wants people to say way more than we want to be saved. And he's willing to do whatever it takes. He's willing to do the right thing. All I'm saying tonight is your God can be trusted to do the right thing. I just think it would be cool if he completely emptied it out and the devil's like, oh man, we've got to start all over. right? But listen, hell is real and people will go there by choosing to reject this incredible grace. My God. Hey, we have a responsibility to preach this gospel. We have a responsibility to preach this gospel right because I, I honestly believe if the gospel is presented in the right way, it's irresistible. But the moment someone makes it about you having to do something, that's not irresistible. No. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever believes on him will receive remission of sins. Amen? It's that simple. All right, let's continue. So God... Chose us. He predestined us. What did he predestine? What did he predestine? How did he predestine us in Christ? Amen. Now look at verse six. Are you stuck? Are you guys still with me? All right. Verse six. To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. The third thing we see, the blessing of the Father, is he accepted us. He accepted us by grace. Grace which he gave us made us acceptable. I love that. Grace is what makes you acceptable. God's own gift to us is what makes us acceptable in his sight. That's, he wants us to make sure that we have nothing to do with this. We have nothing to do with, our, with being accepted by God except by receiving him, by receiving his gift. That's the only way that you can be acceptable to God is by receiving by faith what he gives you by grace. Amen. Woo, hallelujah. 
Hebrews 12, 28 says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which, that is by grace, we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Hallelujah. It's only in this place called grace can we not only be accepted by God, but live acceptably before God. All right, I've got to keep moving. Now, let's look at verse 7. All right, so God, the Father, he chose us, he predestined us, and he accepted us. Look what the Son did. Verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. The first thing that we see that the Son has given us is redemption. Everybody say redemption. I love the, the, the definition of redemption here in this Greek word. It means a releasing effected by payment of ransom. There was a gym dealer who was strolling the aisles at the, the Tucson Gym and Mineral Show. And he noticed this, this blue, this violet blue stone that was there. And it was the size and the shape of a, of a potato. And he looked it over and, and when, he, when he realized what he had there, he just as calmly as possible asked the man if he would take $15 for that stone. And the man looked it over, and he had all, lots of prettier jewels around, prettier stones. And so seeing that it was kind of marred, he said, I'll, I'll take 10. That's probably more fair. And the man took that stone. Listen to this. That stone has since been certified a 1905-carat natural star sapphire. 1905 carats, which... It's about 800 carats larger than the largest stone of its kind. It was appraised at $2.28 million. Mm, See, the fact that it took the blood, the fact that it took the blood of the Son of the living God to purchase you, to redeem you, showed you just how valuable you were. The only way that you could be redeemed without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. Jesus had to give his own body and his own blood so that you could be purchased by God, so that you could be redeemed, so that you could be ransomed from sin and degradation, so that you could be right in God's holy eyes. You. Paul was talking to the Jews, and they weren't listening to him. Can you imagine that? Happened a whole lot. They'd rather beat him than, than listen to him. And when they rejected him, this one, t- uh, this, uh, I don't know how many times this has already happened, but he said, because you deem yourselves unworthy of eternal life, we go to the Gentiles. Listen. We got to tell people that they're worthy of eternal life. Yes. They need to know that they are valued by Almighty God. Yes. There used to be a little track years ago. Now I'm not a, a big track fan, but tracked little witnessing tool. And on the very front of it, it had this nail-pierced ham, and it said, "What do you think you're worth?" You guys remember that track? And open it up, and it said, "God thinks you're worth the death of His Son." I love the simplicity of that and the power of that, that in God's mind, you were worth Jesus dying for. 
They don't know that out there. A lot of them don't. They don't know that. They don't know that. That's exactly right. They need to be told just how valuable they are, just how much God loves them, not, not how much God is angry with them, not, not how much God hates their sin, but how much he values them that he gave Jesus. Amen. Amen. Good news. Forgiveness is the second thing we see, this blessing of the Son. That he redeemed us by his blood in verse 7. And then also in verse 7, we see that he, what? Forgave us. He, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Not only were we redeemed and set free from sin, praise God, we were forgiven of that sin. God is not holding what he had to do for us against us. You remember when we were talking about, um, I think it was uh, when we had our fuse service, the blood of Jesus, how the blood of Abel cried out, cries out, avenge me. The blood of the martyr, avenge me, but the blood of Jesus cries out, forgive them. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive them. Forgive them, and both of them are equally right, right? The blood of the innocent needs to be avenged, and it was avenged at that cross. But Jesus' blood, the most innocent who ever lived, says, forgive them. Forgive them. Let this blood satisfy all of the wrath of God, and it did. Let this blood, let this blood truly be upon them. Let this blood truly be upon them. So that when you see them, you see them through a scarlet film of my blood. Hmm. Amen. What are you guys sneezing all about up here on the front row? <laughs> Let's continue. I'm almost, I'm almost getting done. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Look at verse 8. Which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us. Everybody say revelation. revelation. Having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Oh, God is so mysterious. The will of God, you just never know what the Lord's going to do. So mysterious. The, 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 the ways of the Lord are so mysterious. What's the phrase? The old phrase? Huh? Oh, never mind. Nobody. But Jesus made known to us the mystery of his will. He made known. That's what he brought to you, the mystery of his will. So you don't have to walk around and sound like some denominational preacher. <laughs> you never know the ways of God. So mysterious. So far above our ways, the Lord works in mysterious ways. That's what I was looking for. The Lord works in mysterious ways. Yeah. Right? Now, Jesus made known to us the mystery of God's will. Yes. According to his good pleasure. According to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself. Yeah. Woo! See, you know what he said? If you've seen me, you've seen God. You've seen the Father. Yeah. I'm here to reveal the Father to you. 
by what I do. And what did Jesus do? Well, the Bible says that the God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Hallelujah. And then goofball Philip says, show us the Father and it is sufficient. And Jesus said, how long have I got to be with you, knucklehead? Well, he didn't say knucklehead. I would have said knucklehead. He said, how long have I got to be with you? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, Philip. Always looking for more. That's the sad thing about Christians. They're always looking for more than what they already have. Right? They act like the Holy Ghost that's, that, that came to us in Acts chapter 2, that there's, oh, there's got to be more out there. There's going to be a revival in the land someday. Out of, there's a revival going on. You're missing it. Looking for it somewhere else. If you've got the Holy Ghost in you, hallelujah, you are in full-fledged revival. Yes, amen. Now, you just have to awaken to that. You have to wake up to the revival that's going on. You've got to wake up to the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, living in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor John. That was encouraging. Woo! All right, where are we? Man, you guys are messing me up. You're making me preach right off my notes. All right. <laughs> Jesus is God revealed to us. You know what he told us? He said, I'm the door. I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. I'm everything that you need. I am the life. I am the light of men. Hallelujah. And then this last thing of Jesus, the blessing of the Son. Verse 9. Having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposes in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. In him also we have obtained and what? Inheritance. This is this blessing, the other blessing of the Son. We have redemption. We have forgiveness. We have revelation. And we have an inheritance. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. The beautiful thing about the inheritance is. The beautiful thing about the inheritance is the one who is there to receive the inheritance shows up at a thing called the reading of the what? The will. And in that will, he finds out or she finds out what she has or he has inherited. But that doesn't happen with the guy who wrote the will standing there watching what's going on. That will doesn't work. It is not enforced until he is dead. And the moment he is dead, then his stuff, his inheritance, is known to those recipients. Hallelujah. See, you don't get the inheritance of God. Am I? Is it me? Every time I walk down here, everybody starts sneezing. Listen, you, when you go to heaven, when you go to heaven, that's not when you get all the inheritance. Not when you die. Can you imagine? Imagine if it worked like that. Well, he's dead. Let's see what he got. So they stack cash all around the guy in the casket. Man, what a lucky guy. I wonder what he's going to do with all that money. That's stupid. He can't enjoy that inheritance if he's dead. 
Right? But I remember years ago singing songs when I was a kid talking about someday in the sweet by and by, then I'm going to get everything good and everything from God. Yeah, you are going to receive every good thing there. But listen, Jesus died. The testator of the will died. That means the moment that happened, he hung his head in death when he breathed his last and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. That will came in force. Hallelujah. Anyone who will believe in him can have the inheritance now. What does this inheritance consist of? Every good thing from God. Healing for your body, wholeness, sound mind, power, love, prosperity, blessing, favor, hallelujah, long life, happy wife, good kids, and a membership to One Cause Church. The will of God called your inheritance is, is in full force right now. Hallelujah. Now, all you have to do is get it. This is what you're doing tonight. We're here. I'm unfolding here tonight, give, showing you the will of God. And you're here just saying, yep, I'll take that. Yeah, I'll receive that. I'll take that inheritance. That's mine. I receive that in Jesus' name. Yes. Amen. Yes. That's why we come to church for the reading of the will. Yes. Woo! Hallelujah. All right. Lastly. The blessings of the Holy Spirit, and I'll speed up here. Verse 13. In him, again, in him, you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. He, the blessing of the Holy Spirit, is the fact that he is our seal of what Jesus did. I think I might have shared this with you before, but when I was a kid, my grandmother used to preserve different fruits. She, she had an apple tree and peach tree, I think even a pear tree, didn't she, at one time? And so she was always canning stuff. And I can remember when we were living in southern Oklahoma that several times, if the weather went, got bad, we all went to the storm cellar. And... Uh, and we'd, get, and we'd make our way to the storm cellar, and our family, we'd all go down in there. Man, the smell of that thing. You may know what I'm talking about. You've been in a storm cellar before, just old musty smell. But you go down in there in this dark can. As a kid, this is kind of a frightening experience, right? I can remember the first time I ever went down there, and ever, you know, the, 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 the sky was all gray. And I was just trying to see what, how this all worked. And, I can remember, and my dad wasn't there. My dad was working on the railroad at the time, so he was gone. So already I felt not good about this situation that my dad was not here with us, all right? And so we all get to the cellar, but my grandpa was there, and we make our way down into this. Y'all get down in there. <laughs> what? What's down in there? And my grandpa had an old uh, Coleman lantern with him. And so we made our way down in there, and on the shelves down there were peach preserves and apples and pears Anybody else keep preserves in your cellar, right? So when you look around there, you go, how long are we going to be here? We have food stored here. And you know what? Every time we went to the cellar, we never got to eat the peaches. I don't know. I was one to this day. Why did we ever have them down there? We never opened up a can and enjoyed 
Or never opened up a little uh, glass jar, never got to enjoy the peaches and the apples, but they were there just in case. Well, this is just in case. Let's eat. <laughs> they, were, they were sealed. Sealed for another day. Sealed for another time. And the Holy Spirit is the seal for another day. Now, he is a seal for today. He is a right now present help, but he's there as a seal of what Jesus did. He's there to seal you so that you go all the way to heaven. Mm. Now, I have a feeling that he's a really good seal. I have a feeling that you won't spoil if the Holy Ghost is your seal. I have a feeling that that salvation won't wear out if the Holy Spirit is there to preserve you, to seal you. I just have a feeling that he's pretty good at doing what he does. My grandfather used to do stuff like make jalapenos. He used to can jalapenos. And in 2011, I was over at my parents' house and went into the refrigerator. And my mom said, you want some of Grandpa's jalapenos? I was like, let's see, Grandpa died in 2006. I said, yeah. I do. And sure enough, there was a jar in there. Open them up. And my grandfather had canned them probably 10 to 15 years before 2006. 18, 19-year-old peppers. I mean, I cut those things up. And all of a sudden, man, I'm back at my grandparents' house. There was a distinct flavor. There was a, and, I, and I do emphasize distinct flavor. <laughs> distinct flavor to those jalapenos. There was just a certain smell, a certain taste to them. I don't know exactly what he did. I don't even want to know probably how he preserved them. But I'm eating something that he had prepared years and years before and sealed it up. And even after he's long gone, been in heaven for years. Wow. What a revelation. What a revelation that the Holy Spirit is your seal all the way to that place called glory. He's there to make sure that what was purchased will be preserved. Hallelujah. And he is our guarantee. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory? In three different times it says to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory, to the praise of his glory. Love that. That's a whole other sermon. I'd love to preach that, but I'm not going to. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance? Anybody in here ever tried to cash in on a guarantee that you were given by a certain company about a certain product? That it broke or something went wrong, and so you began to look up the guarantee, right? And a lot of them, they like to say lifetime guarantee, right? I mean, that really gets you. But then when you... When you start trying to make that guarantee possible, but when you start making, you make the phone call or whatever, you start finding out there's a lot of rules about that guarantee after all. That it's, it's not really a guarantee except that it will guarantee to frustrate you. We guarantee to make you extremely angry. We guarantee we're going to do everything within our power not to fulfill the guarantee that we guarantee you. I get insurance. That's supposed to be a guarantee. House insurance. Two different times. I've had a busted pipe. 
something. Well, where is that pie busted, Mr. Holler? Uh, in the front yard. Uh, sorry, doesn't apply. It's got to be right up under the foundation of the house. Otherwise, it doesn't count. I have to have yard pipe insurance too? Why didn't you tell me about that? That wasn't in the deal. I thought I had everything covered. Right? What else did we have? We had something with our air conditioner or something. I don't remember. Anyway, nope, sorry. It doesn't, we don't cover that. We cover everything around that, but that particular piece. I'm so glad. I'm so glad when I got the Holy Ghost that I got a full guarantee. That I didn't have to worry about, okay, well, now what all is included in this guarantee, God? And he said, nope, sorry, sorry, sorry. Healing? Nope, sorry, you don't get healing. No, no, no. No, no, no. You want? No, 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 no. Now, I know I said that, but you have to read the fine print. The Holy Spirit guide you into all truth. I guarantee that, but listen to me. God, when he says it, it's for real. You can bank on it. You can know that when he guaranteed the Holy Spirit is your guarantee, then he is your guarantee. I'm here to guarantee the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in you. I'm here to guarantee that you are saved. Hey, listen to me. Just in case you're wondering, in case you ever, 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 ever get sidetracked and you get over in that devil kind of thinking, wondering about your relationship with God, about what you've done or not done, and you start feeling not so much like a Christian, right? And you start doubting, you start wanting, you start living that bottom of the barrel kind of Christian living, right? Insecure in your relationship with God because you were taught one certain way years ago that you're holding on till the end, right? That it all had to do with you, how bad you, how much you held on rather than remembering that Jesus said, nobody can snatch them out of my hand. That God's holding on to you. And if you just happen to speak in tongues, to me it's a shame that anybody that speaks in tongues ever question their salvation. Ever. If you just happen to speak in tongues, let me just remind you of a scripture that says, These signs shall follow those who, in my name, they will cast out devils. They will speak in new tongues. So if you start getting those feelings of doubt, just open your mouth, start praying in tongues. Oh, yeah, no, no, I'm safe. That's right. I forgot. I'm sorry. I got stupid there for a little bit. I acted like a clown. Oh yeah, I'm. Oh yeah, I'm. Oh yeah, I can only do that if I'm a believer. Well, Pastor, what if you're making it up? Oh, shut up. I'm a believer. I don't believe I'm making it up. I believe I'm speaking in tongues. Amen. See, that's how Peter and them knew. That's how Peter. He was preaching the gospel to Cornelius and all of his house. Now, I'm telling that message with me a little bit because I want to say, well, they didn't say a sinner's prayer, right? They're, they're, they're pre- he's preaching away. He said, whoever believes on him will receive remission of sin. Whoever believes on his name. And all of a sudden, wham, the Holy Spirit fell on. And they just start speaking in tongues. And Peter's like, whoa, 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 whoa. What just happened here? We didn't, we didn't sing into my heart, into my heart. Come in. I sang that song every Sunday as a kid. Pastor, bring us up to all to the altar. We all kneel. Remember that, Dad? Before we go to Sunday school. And he wasn't the pastor. He wouldn't make us do that. Into my heart. We just got to make sure, people. No, I don't have to make sure. Jesus already made sure for me. I'm resting in him. I'm resting in his power to save me. I can't save myself. Amen? 
That's what I'm saying. The Holy Spirit is a seal and a guarantee. Right? Pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in tongues. Deliver yourself right out of that demonology. Amen. Get you over into God kind of thinking. Hallelujah. You believe that tonight? All right. Your Father, He has chosen you. He has predestined you. He has accepted you. Jesus brought you redemption. Jesus brought you forgiveness. Jesus brought you revelation. Jesus brought you an inheritance. And the Holy Spirit is your seal, and He is your guarantee. Hallelujah. Well, I think this is a good start to the book of Ephesians tonight. Why don't we all stand and lift our hands toward heaven tonight? Thank you for listening to our podcast. We want to invite you to join us in service Sundays at 9.30 or 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Go to onecausechurch.com for locations and events. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at One Cause Church.